Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The voice of that man has been there for a lot of bad, but let's be honest, a lot of good, including uttering the words, the Bucks are Super Bowl champions. That was Super Bowl 37. Will he utter those very words on Sunday in Super Bowl 55? He uttered the words nobody thought would happen. A team hosting the Super Bowl in their own stadium. And it's a pleasure to welcome in Key's guy. Key has been looking forward to this all week long. Gene Dekaroff has been the play-by-play voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since 1989. And as I said, there's been a lot of good, a lot of bad, and maybe a little bit of great coming on Sunday. Gene, first things first, anytime you have like a hometown announcer in any sport, when there's like a star on the team, the announcer always has like a special call for that guy playing off his name or playing off something. When Key did something explosive or big or he made a huge catch, like what was your go-to phrase for Key? Touchdown Tampa Bay. Every time he touched the ball, we're scoring touchdowns. <laughs> How you doing, Gene? Hey, I'm doing great, Key. Uh, yeah, you're still the record holder. You know that. Every time I look at that record book, I see your name in there, and uh, I'll never forget the Super Bowl. You had a big part to do in that thing, and uh, you know the defense almost outshined the offense in that in that first Super Bowl we played in. Yeah, five interceptions, uh, record, and you know Dwight Smith two pick sixes. My goodness! No, it was it was a memorable moment. When we look back at it now, Tampa Bay the Bucks are in the Super Bowl, Gene, in the home yeah. stadium. What do you think yeah. it's going to be like for you to call that game in the stadium? with Tampa in the Super Bowl? Well, uh, my, my signature call, Keyshawn, has, has been touchdown Tampa Bay. Fire them cannons, but we can't fire the cannons. The NFL says, no, no. But I'll guarantee you this, when the Glazer family holls up that Lombardi trophy at midfield about uh, 9.30 in the evening, uh, somebody's going to find some gunpowder to put in those cannons. We'll fire them and fire them many times. <laughs> what does it mean? And pay the fine, you know, and pay the fine, Key. You know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question at all. <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it takes, just get it done. What does it mean right now for the city of Tampa, for the Bucks to be not only in the Super Bowl, but finally get back into the playoff picture? Well, well the, yeah, the playoffs, a long dry spell of the playoffs. It's 18 years since we played in that Super Bowl 37. You and I were younger back then, you know. Uh, uh, the, the city of Tampa, the entire Tampa Bay area, it's Pinellas County, Hillsborough County, go down to Sarasota County, Manatee County up north, uh, uh, the, the counties, all, all, the whole area went absolutely bonkers on March 20th when uh, Tom Brady inked a contract to play for the Buccaneers for the next two years. And everybody's going crazy. We're going we're to be the 1972 Dolphins. We're going to go unbeaten. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, fast forward to September 13th, our first game of the regular season, we get uh, our hat handed to us by New Orleans. And I think the entire Buccaneer Nation said, well, let's reevaluate this thing. Let's see if we get to the playoffs. And, you know, we did. But uh, Keyshawn and, and, and Jay, and, and, and I'll just say this, that uh, after they lost to Kansas City on uh, November the 29th, the Bucks were uh, seven and five. I mean, we're on the bubble. We're on the bubble of making the playoffs. And for some reason, something happened with that bye week. We had the late bye week the first weekend in December. We either got fresher legs. We got away from the grind of football for a couple of days. But uh, uh, the team came back, and we haven't lost a game since that bye week. We won seven straight. And, and, and Key, you probably have a, a Buccaneer media guy there, but if you go through that media guide starting in 1976, the Bucks have never won seven games in a row. And also we set a franchise record with eight away games uh, in a row, counting the playoffs. And uh, we beat three division champions on their home turf. So this is a very confident football team that's going to play Kansas City. Mm. 
Gene, how much credit do you give the coaching staff for guys like Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich? Because it seemed like at the beginning of the year, they were throwing the ball a ton. It was this volume throw thing with Tom. And, and now it feels like what we're watching offensively is a little bit more of that Patriot style of offense with the way they're utilizing the running game. Well, it, it's a combination. And uh, it, it, again, the running game is, is, is essential in the playoffs when you're playing probably the, the best quarterback tandem in, in, in the game outside Tom Brady. You, you got to go on the road and play Drew Brees. He beat you twice this year, including a thirty-eight to three embarrassing win on your home stadium. Then you got to then you got to you got to play Aaron Rodgers the next week. So what you want to do is, is, is in the game of football, keep the football away from those guys. So you you almost have to try to establish a run game, and that's exactly what the Bucks. How about Leonard Leonard Fournette? Uh, I mean, Lenny Fournette was cut by Jacksonville. He was a Buccaneer until the week before the first game. And uh, all he's done in the playoffs is, uh, well, he scored a couple of touchdowns and uh, three touchdowns, in fact. He's our leading touchdown scorer. And he's averaging about 101, 102 yards from scrimmage a ball game. That is huge for your offense to, to keep the ball in your possession, get you in the field goal range or touchdown range. And, and, and that's exactly the reason why the Bucks, I think, are running more in the postseason than we did during the regular. And also, you know, Ronald Jones did not play in the first game, COVID. Uh, played in the second game against New Orleans, uh, had 63 yards, but he had a 44-yard run po- called back because of holding on the other side of the field. I thought it was a bogus call. Can I say that and not get fined, Keyshaw? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> he, he would have had 100 yards. Gene, you should hear some of the words that are uttered on this show. That's not going to get you fined, believe it or not, this whole week. I just want to ask you something real quick. You've been the voice of the team since 89. You've seen the ebbs and the flows. You know, I, I'm just painting with a broad brush here. You'll understand what I'm saying. You know, it, it's been said by some of the younger guys on this team. The only guys that have really been winners on this current iteration of the Bucks are Tom Brady, Gronk, and JPP. I'm sure there's a couple of other guys. I'm not dismissing anybody. But you're around the team every single day. You get access to regular reporters don't. I mean, you're essentially part of the organization in some ways with your job. How have you seen Brady's leadership manifest on a roster that largely has done as much losing as he has done winning? Well, what, what Tom Brady brings is not only a great quarterback, the mechanic, the surgeon that could throw every pass. Uh, he's been there. He's done that. He holds almost every record imaginable regular season and, and postseason. But everything I see, and oh, by the way, because of COVID-19, as close as I've been, to a Tampa Buccaneer football player or coach is the computer screen that I'm looking at right now uh, because because of the protocol. I, that, the weirdest thing for me in my job is I have not seen a – usually I, I get to, I go to preseason camp, spend four days, I get, get to see the fellows, get to see the coaches, listen to the interviews, but I was unable to do that because of COVID this year. And as a result, I have not had personal contact with Tom Brady. Now, I watch the press conferences. I read the transcript of the press conferences. The one thing that jumps out at me, here's a guy that's done everything you could possibly do in his sport, football. I mean, everything you could possibly do. He's won championships. He holds passing records, touchdown records. You name it, he has the record. But every time I see him in a press conference, he talks about his team. He talks about players that play and want to learn. He talks about, I want to learn. I want to get better. Uh, This is a guy that's driven to be the very best, and he is. But he still wants to be better. And I think that that, that that brings a lot of things in that locker room together. I don't know who gave the speech or who gave the talk in, in the Atlanta game, the second game after the bye week, when the Bucks are down 17 to nothing uh, at halftime. Uh, but whatever was said, whoever said it, I'll bet you Tom Brady had something to do with it. The Bucks came out and came from behind and beat Atlanta. And that's the second win in this seven-game win streak 
by the Buccaneers. So he brings that to the table. And there's a lot of talk about culture, uh, culture this, culture that, you know, culture in the locker room, culture of the team. But there's a completely different culture on this football team. Now, back to the play calling, Bruce Arians, no risk it, no, no biscuit. I mean, that's his philosophy. And I'll promise you this, that that's not part of the vocabulary of Bill Belichick. No risk it, no biscuit. And so I think it was a combination, the coach adopting to the quarterback, the quarterback adopting to, to, to the head coach. But whatever combination it is, it certainly has proven success. You know, we were a one away from 8-8 eight and eight last year. We lost a couple of games. We, we probably could have made the playoffs last year. Jameis had some bad luck. He risked it and got no biscuit. He had 30 <laughs> interceptions last year. And you, take away, you take away half of those interceptions, the Buccaneers would have been in the playoffs last year. But here again, fifth offensive coordinator for Jameis, fourth head coach for Jameis, different schemes and different offenses. And uh, uh, I saw where Sean Payton said that Jameis wasn't going to be a big part of the New Orleans Saints. So uh, uh, best of luck to Jameis. He's a good friend of mine, and I, I followed his career in college. I watched him win the Heisman Trophy. I watched him beat Auburn and help Florida State win a national championship. So I'm a big Jameis guy. But I'll tell you what, what Tom Brady's done, it, it, turnovers have been reduced. The, oh, and by the way, the Bucks defense – we talk offense, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Devin White may be the best linebacker in the National Football League. Sean Murphy Bunting has three interceptions, two against two of the best quarterbacks in the league, Breeze and Aaron Rodgers. And uh, the Bucks are playing great flow. Oh, by the way, Shaq Barrett and JPP, those two guys combined for five sacks against Aaron Rodgers last week. I think they get four or five this week against Kansas City. Gene Deckerhoff, Tampa Bay Buccaneers play-by-play announcer since 1989. Gene, what was your most memorable call this football season? Well, this uh, I, 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 hey, Jay, I like Michael Snares buzzer beater at Cameron Indoor Stadium. <laughs> That's one of my all-time. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Ninety-eight uh, <laughs> yard touchdown run. That's a no no-brainer for me. I, I hate that phrase, but it just slipped out. Fellas, uh, the, the best the best play of the season was uh, Rojo taking a handoff on a draw play from the two yard line at Carolina and sprinting ninety-eight yards to score a touchdown, uh, one of four players in the history of the league to have a 98-yard or longer touchdown uh, play. And so that's got to be number one on my list. And I can't think of anything that comes closer than, uh, about, well, maybe, maybe uh, Scooter Miller's uh, touchdown catch with uh, about seven seconds left in the uh, second quarter to really give the Buccaneers the advantage in that NFC Championship game. That was huge. Can I get a fire to cannons before we let you go? Well, you know what? Uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski, when he scored his first touchdown pass for the Buccaneers, holy gronkamoly, fire them cannons. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's the way to go, man, and I hope you get – I know Chiefs fans are listening, but if you get a chance to do it for the second time and proclaim the Bucks are the best team in the National Football League, I hope you get the pipes warmed up. Thanks for joining us in a little trip down memory lane. And by the way, who's had a better life than Gene for decades? Saturday, I'm in a college football booth. Sunday, I'm in an NFL booth. And they're paying me for it. It's been great to catch up with you, Gene. Thank you so much. All right, Thanks, Gene. Have a great day, man. All right. Fire the cannons! And that's what we mentioned with Jameis, right? He covered him at Florida State. He's been the voice of the Seminoles, the voice of the Bucks. Incredible. He joined us on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. We are coming to you live. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin from above the Heineken deck at Pier 17. Did you like that? I mean, that's just one of those guys where I know you've always said, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not a member of the media now, but that's a guy who probably got more excited about your exploits on the field than anybody except oh, you. Well, no, I mean, that's, he's, that's different though, man. That's different than normal media to me. You know what I mean, that's, that's like the, 
Vince Scully's of the world, the Keith Jackson's, the uh, the uh, Chick Hearns. That, that, that's a that's different, right? Mm-hmm. He's calling the games. He's he's engaged, like you said. He's part of the team. What we did the as team. a team. Yes. I mean, so it's a little bit different than somebody looking for clickbait, sitting there with a notepad and a recorder, asking you questions that they already know the damn answers to. Indeed. So Zubin, when when I played with the Bulls, John Paxson was doing our radio, and he was one of the voices for the Bulls. And I, I cannot tell you how many conversations I had with John Paxson about where we were as a team, about what we were going to do. And those conversations never left us. Mm-hmm. Like he did feel part of the team. So I'm with you, Key, all the way on that one. So how about this with Deckerhoff? Evan just mentioned this. Our producer Evan Wilner, really great line here, um, because Deckerhoff was with Florida State for so many years, um, and he mentioned a certain uh, call, right? Duke, Florida State, and yeah. what happened Tampa in that Bay game? Buccaneers, right? He's called games involving Keyshawn Johnson and oh, Jay, Jay Williams. Williams. Oh, How I about was about to say, what happened in yeah. that game, yeah. Jay? Uh, we beat Florida State most of the time. We just lost games when they were at Florida State. Uh, that happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean Tallahassee, it happens. Yeah. If take, you know what I mean. Take a stroll through the campus. I think the, uh, the male-female ratio, we, that's all we need to mention there. And, uh, that call <laughs> He's that, never been to Tallahassee. He would, I, I know no, I've been, been, no, been, no, been there. I've been to Tallahassee. Okay. You know, remember, I got a bunch of players on our team from the Tallahassee, Florida, that whole area. So I've that's been right. up there. You know, I kicked it up there a little bit. I just don't like to expose everything, you know? Yes, and Gene obviously had to mention a moment <laughs> where Florida State was victorious. But as Jay said, Right now, if you're a basketball fan, would you rather be a Duke fan or a Florida State fan? Over the course of time, right? It's I don't sure. know. If Florida State's pretty good this year, Zubin. They, they might are. be a dark horse Final Four team. I don't, I don't yes. know if people really do. Are there Duke fans out there, Jay? What? Other than Duke people? Because it seems like people don't like Duke. Well, it's kind of like the Patriots. Either people hate the Patriots or they love the Patriots, right? It's like yeah. the Yankees. People love the Yankees or they hate the Yankees. So yeah, there, I don't there's like a lot of Duke, Duke fans, though. I'm, I'm a hater. We That's are how at- I feel about USC. It's okay. <laughs> We're asking this morning a, a bunch of questions, including whether you wash your dirty dishes or not. And oh, if you have God. a profound answer on that, Jay's please. Jay's just nasty. <laughs> Stop it. We're also asking an unconventional question as we wait here for Tua Tungavailoa. Who's your unsung hero in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs or the Bucks? A guy that could play a huge role that nobody's talking about right now. Let's roll the Jonathan in Columbus, Ohio, before we hear from Tua. Good morning, Jonathan. What do you got? Hey, what's going on, man? Just to answer the question of the unsung hero possible for the Super Bowl, I think Jordan Whitehead could be that guy. I think he's the second-best defensive player on that Bucks defense behind Devin White. If you remember the Green Bay game, he wrecked that game, causing two fumbles. The Bucks recovered one before he injured his chest. But in Todd Bowles' scheme, I could easily see him having at least one sack, one interception, and a forced fumble or recovery, and a handful of tackles. He's got the abilities of an Earl Thomas from a pursuit standpoint and the physicality of a Cam Chancellor. And to answer Key's question, Jay, if there are any Duke fans out there, Whoa, y'all have a blessing. What was that? <laughs> what does that mean? Is that like the, the fight song or something? I mean, this guy's Jay's favorite caller. I mean, he's a Duke guy, and he's calling from Columbus, Ohio. And Jay's big on Ohio State. I mean, this is like, this is your guy, Jay. Jonathan in Columbus. It's working, it's working both ways. It's working both ways, baby. In Key's home state, Patrick in California. little food for thought. Who's hungrier, Mahomes or Brady in this game? Mm. Well, the reason why I'm... I'm I'm looking at this and saying Mahomes, he's going in for the first time ever, right? Going into home field for Tampa Bay. And what better way of beating them on their home turf in the Super Bowl? You're right. I mean, that would obviously be a huge story key for the Bucks, but obviously if they were to turn the table 
and win in Tampa, that would be something, too. I think most people are thinking about the opposite happening, but he raises a good point, Patrick, yeah, it's, in California. It's their, it's their home field, but it's different, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's sort of kind of – it's their home, but it's kind of like a neutral site because the fans are or not – lack thereof. Yeah, it's going to be 20,000 fans, and it's not 20,000 Tampa fans, no right? It's, it's no cannons. It's corporate. I mean, it's, you know, 7,500, I think it's – uh, frontline workers and stuff like that. It's like 7,500. So yep. it just, it all just depends um, what it's going to, it's going to be a different, different game, obviously. And it's going to feel different. It's still the Super Bowl, though, even if nobody was in the stands. Jay, we're going to have Tua here in just a moment as we wait for Tua Tungavailoa. He's football on, player, man. He, football player. Um, let's just get your thoughts on, he said earlier this week, he actually said, you know, I wouldn't grade myself very high. I was disappointed in the year that I had. That's pretty good critical self-evaluation, and you guys don't get to the point that you did without really looking in the mirror and saying, where can I get better? I got it. It's a year. He had the catastrophic hip injury. But it was somewhat refreshing, to be honest with you, to hear him say that. Well, I think when you realize the expectations of your play and you started off decent and good and you kind of tailed off in the end as the season wore on, you're not going to be happy about your play. So the best thing to do as a player is self-evaluate because you have to grow from year one to year two. By the time you get to year three, you should be on that borderline fringe area of a pro bowler. Mm -hmm. Even though the pro bowl doesn't really mean a whole lot these days, you can sneeze pro bowl. But you need to be getting to a certain level. By the time you enter that fourth year, you got to really be something special because if you're not in that fourth year, you're probably not made for the NFL long term. And Tua is something special, and he'll join us here in seconds. And we've got Tua Tungavailoa joining us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. It's great to have Tua. you, Tua. Hey, man, I don't know how much of the conversation you just heard in the last minute or so, but we were kind of just praising the fact that earlier this week that you essentially said that, you know what, um, I wasn't happy with the way I played this season, and I could be playing a lot better. But I ask you why you were so hard on yourself considering – the hip injury, new organization, the speed of the NFL. When you put all those mitigating factors in there, why were you still so hard on your performance? Well, I'd say the reason I was so hard on my performance is, um, you know, I have an expectation for myself um, to go out there and play the way that, um, you know, I, I want to perform and go out there and perform. Um, it, it, it wasn't, you know, the way I wanted to when I uh, getting towards the ending of the season, I guess. Um, and I guess the consistency of it as well. Uh, there'd be some points that were really good and then came down and then it almost just stayed uh, borderline, um, you know, and you know, those kind of performances don't, don't make it in this league. Um, and so uh, for me, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get better, and this year one to year two jump. You know I'm still mad at you, though, right? What happened? Because you're supposed to be at USC. You're supposed to be a Trojan, man. <laughs> we can't even, you know, the conversation, the feel between us. Uh, but, you know, I'm I sorry. get No, I get it, Tua. Don't, I get it. I get it. I get it. What are you what, – where are you at health-wise right now? Because clearly – you had the hip injury, and you were battling back from that through the offseason, through your pro day, through the combine, all of those sort of things, and even at the start of the season. So where are you at right now today health-wise? 
I'd say health-wise, I feel really good, um, you know, both physically and then also mentally. You know, last year was more so focused on just rehabbing and, you know, maybe hoping I'd be able to, to you know, get a snap uh, in the NFL this past year. Um, you know, but I, I'm blessed to, to have, you know, the true offseason to where I can focus on, you know, things that'll, you know, get me better and not from a rehab standpoint, but uh, get me better with my play um, and help me get better with uh, things that, you know, I need to do, you know, both on and off the field. Focus is the main key when you want to try to take the next step in the National Football League for sure. But right now, your name has been circling, obviously, with trade rumors about Deshaun Watson being swapped in, you swapped out. How how are you handling all of that right now? Well, you know, to, to answer that question, quite honestly, uh, I, I haven't really heard too much about that, um, you know, until it was told to me by um, my agent. Um, but the, the way I'd, I'd answer that is I'm, I'm the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, right now I can only control what I can control. And so... My focus, um, my big focus is, you know, getting getting better from this year one to year two jump. And um, by doing so, uh, that's with my, uh, you know, eating, with my off-season program. And I'd say the reason or the, the way I'd, I'd want to get better um, is is with my pre-snap reads, you know, is, is going up to the line, my pre-snap operation with telling the guys to play, you know, knowing where everyone goes, understanding what everyone has to do, um, you know, and going out there and, and executing that play. Tua, with this year, obviously, you know, there are a lot of ups and downs in a lot of people's first couple of years in the league. Uh, in any sport, I don't care what anybody says. What's your biggest takeaway that you learned about yourself throughout the whole process thus far? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I'd say the biggest thing I learned about myself is, you know, you got to be consistent in this league. Um, you can't get away with things that you used to get away with in college. Um, you know, and you got to you got to do a lot of the lonely work. You know, that's that's a key word for me is, is lonely work. And you, know, you got to go in and you got to watch film by yourself. Um, you know, you got to hold your own meetings with, you know, the linemen. You got to hold your receivers back after practice so you guys can get the timing down. Um, and also working on little things like third down conversions and also, you know, trying to get better in the red area. Last thing for you to tell us a little bit about Truist Bank. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to be working with Truist, um, you know, who recently announced their official retail bank of the NFL. And, um, you know, today I'll be launching my foundation, which is the Tua Foundation. And the reason I'm working with Truist is because we both have a shared passion, and that's inspiring and building better lives and also better communities. Well said. Well said. And for more information, you can go to truist.com slash NFL. That is T-R-U-I-S-T dot com slash NFL. Tua, your attitude is A plus, my man. Best of luck. Wherever you are, but as you said, you are the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, and we will see you there in week one, 2021, 
in South Florida. Good Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. All right, too. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And I liked it, right? I'm the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. He didn't skirt it. I'm yeah. the quarterback. Yeah, of the that's Miami what he's Dolphins. supposed to say. He's Absolutely. supposed to say that because he is the quarterback. Speaking Still of, mad at him, though. Should have been a Trojan. Now, you're referencing that he was so frustrated Whoa. sitting in Alabama, perhaps, that he could have transferred to no, USC? He, he or were you talking about beforehand? He originally was committed to USC. Right. But then gotta, he thought, right, if I Got to make those here. duffel bags a little deep, <laughs> Yeah, we probably didn't compete in that, at the level that we needed to, you know, for, for as, the, would know. as far as the money stuff would go, Jay, because you would know. And on the back Don't end. Don't try to take Evan's line because he said it first. <laughs> On the back end, he was frustrated, and then suddenly he came in through that pass and everything changed, but he was even thinking about going back to USC closer to his home yeah, he was. in Hawaii at that particular point. All right, so on the way, we're going to stay in South Florida. Like the two will stay in South Florida, we hope, right? The Rays have been to the World Series in South Florida. The Lightning have won the Stanley Cup. They're the reigning champions in South Florida. And now the Bucks, South Florida's other team, are hosting the Super Bowl. The biggest Tampa Bay fan of them all is next. What Thomas Edward Brady has done in his 40s just flat boggles my mind. How can you just put on another jersey and wind up in the same situation, which is another Super Bowl appearance? More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your Sports Center update. Close shave, literally, for the Chiefs. They had 20 people in line ready to get a haircut, fresh cut, get that team picture for posterity for Super Bowl 55, no matter how it goes for them. But then they found out the barber, the hairstylist, had the coronavirus. Rapid test came back. Daniel Kilgore was actually in the chair getting the clippers on the head. He had to rapidly pop out of his seat. And by the way, one of the 20 guys waiting to get a haircut, Patrick Mahomes. You connect the dots. He sits down, coronavirus, barber, crisis averted. No worries. We'll talk college basketball with the sport's number one supporter for four decades in a second. Last night, he probably sat at home watching Houston, top five Houston, go down to East Carolina, 82-73. That wasn't the only upset in the top five of the rankings. Villanova, who's been on pause for a while this season, lost to St. John, 70-59. Big win for Mike Anderson and a big win for Tony Dungy. Black History Always, that's ESPN's initiative to keep Black History Month alive just past the month of February. But on this date... February 4th, 2007. Tony Dungy becoming the first black head coach to win the Super Bowl, and he did so by getting the best of fellow African-American Lovey Smith on the sideline. Tony discussed this on our show yesterday. You can hear the interview in Hour 4 of yesterday's podcast if you want to go find it right now. Center brought to you by Mako. Get a refresh with your refund during Mako's tax season sales event. 
for expert paint and collision repair. Use their contactless services. It's as easy as book, quote, fix, uh-oh. Better get Mako. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that's the scary thing about coming to the Super Bowl at home. We've been playing so good on the road. Getting to the 10th Super Bowl in 19 years of playing, is it's incomprehensible, actually. Beyond anything we could ever imagine. I'll tell you what, if we were in pre-COVID times, I'm sure we wish we were. We'll be in post-COVID times soon. Our next guest would be joining us from the Broken Egg in Sarasota, ready to go <laughs> and talk college basketball. But I want to talk to Dick Vitale, longtime Tampa resident. You ever watch a Rays game? He's like key, like a Mary Hart behind the plate at Dodger games. Like Dick Vermeil, I mean Dick Vermeil, excuse me. Dick Vermeil was with us earlier. Dick Vitale behind the plate at Rays games. He saw the Rays get to the cusp, lose to Keys Dodgers. He saw his lightning. What did he think was going to happen? <laughs> hoist the cup, and now. It's Tampa's third team. Dick, good morning. What is it like? How are you feeling as a giant Bucks fan with history maybe just three days away? Well, zoom in. First of all, you should get a raise just for doing all those promos. But no longer first. I go down to the first watch now. Magnus, they support me with money for the kids battling cancer. So that's my new home. But, you know, I'm excited. I mean, obviously this area has just been Titletown, USA. I know Keyshawn thinks down in L.A., but you know what? The Dodgers got a lucky break, man. Did they get a lucky break or would have another title? Because the manager took out Snell in that inning, pitching unbelievable baseball. If he leaves him in there, we beat them one zip, and we beat them in game seven with Charlie Morton on the mound. And that would be a fact. But we'll give them credit. They won that. But the Super Bowl is coming right here to Tampa. They had no doubt about it. We're going to win the championship. Dickie B, I miss you, buddy. It's, uh, every time I hear you call a game, it just makes me smile. But I have to ask you, where, where's Tom Brady rank on your all-time greatest? Uh, he's the greatest quarterback. He's the greatest quarterback ever to play the game. There's no question, Jay Wall. And I miss you, too, man. We used to have a lot of fun. I used to love calling your games. The one I'll always remember is the one Kentucky game in the Meadowlands when you went off like crazy after Coach K took out the whole – see if my memory's right. Is my memory right? He took out the starting five. He was upset the way you guys played. You come back. I mean, you must have drilled like five threes in a row. Man, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you can recall a game from 2001 like that. That's impressive. Well, especially at 81 years of age. But, you know, you, you asked about Brady. I mean, there's no doubt. It's, it's not even debatable who's the greatest quarterback ever to play the game. I don't care what they tell me about. You know, I love Montana. I love all those guys. You could talk Marinos and all of them, but Peyton Manning. But what he's done is amazing. I mean, Keisha would know better than most. He played football to 43 years of age and achieved what he's achieving is amazing. He looks like 25 back there. But I think the biggest thing he did here, he brought a winner's mentality to that locker room. And you can't emphasize enough how vital that was. Dickie V, how, how has Tampa been the city right now embracing the Bucks in the Super Bowl, the Lightning, Stanley Cup, and the Rays? Well, they didn't quite finish the Dodgers, but playing against the Dodgers in the World Series. How has the city of Tampa been? Well, you know, everybody's excited here, obviously, but, you know, with the pandemic, it takes away a little bit of a great moment of having all the fans. I feel bad for all the people up there in the Tampa area, businesses that economically really would have an incredible, incredible weekend with certainly the Super Bowl here, but because of the pandemic, a lot of that is really dampened. But, you know, the bottom line is we got football, we got basketball, and really, you know, not having fans in a packed house is nothing compared to what most people have had to deal with, people that we know 
know, even friends of ours at ESPN, people losing their jobs, people out there losing lives. I mean, that's serious stuff. Right now, we're making the most of a tough, tough situation in the world of sports. I mean, do I like, for example, doing games in my house rather than being at courtside and going in the crowd with the fans and having a blast? No, but it's better than not having any. So we make the most of it. It's exciting. There's no doubt, Keyshawn. It's really a special, special time here to have all those teams do so well at one time. It's just incredible. I tell you, we're title town USA. After we win the Super Bowl, we're going to be title town. Right now, the, the people in L.A. got the little edge because of the Lakers and because of what happened down there with the Dodgers. But I'm telling you, when we win the Super Bowl, that edge comes back to Tampa, title town USA. Dickie B, we got Duke, North Carolina coming up this Saturday at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Tell me, what's wrong with my Dukies? What's wrong with my squad? Well, you know, uh, basically no veterans, uh, really a team very, very young, did have with the pandemic, if you ever needed some situations where you had to have teams come in early, practice early as teams, play exhibition games. They didn't do that. But the situation is, let's face reality, who would have ever thought? You know, I know, Jay, you covered the game basketball very intensely, but think about this. Who, what would the odds been if you said before the season that Kentucky, Michigan State, Carolina, and Duke may not not be part of March Madness. Mm. That is incredible. And it's very possible it's going to happen. I think unless there's a miracle happen down there in Kentucky and a miracle with Michigan State, no shot. Carolina and Duke hanging on the edge, but I, I think they got to go a long way and win a lot of games yet to get in. So again, it's it's been a, an incredible, crazy year. As Zubin said earlier, you know, East Carolina beating a great Houston team, top five, Villanova getting beat by St. John's. I think a lot of that has to do with the pause in action, not having the same continuity, psychologically, kids living basically in their dorm in a basketball court, not doing the normal things that a student athlete would have done. And I think all of that affects, it affects play. But I'll tell you this, two teams, Gonzaga and certainly Baylor, had Baylor the other night, they are so legitimate, efficient. Offense, defense, they really play really well. I would love to see that matchup. That matchup would be absolutely special. And, Dick, i got to mention one of the greatest stats I've seen about Baylor this year. I, I know you know this. You're a college basketball junkie. Jay is. I love the sport. Amazing key, of course, as well. Um, Baylor has not trailed in the final seven minutes of a game this season. Let that sink in for a second. They have not trailed in the final seven minutes of a game this season. By the way, on the way out the door, I love first watch, too, by the way, the BLT Benedict, if you're ever down there in Florida. But from first to last, before I let you go, tell us about a new book available at dickvitale.com right now and, as always, proceeds going to the V Foundation, which I know you are so, so passionate about. Well, thank you, Zubin. It really is. It means a little great deal to me raising money for kids battling cancer. Nothing worse. I've said this often. I'll say it again. If you think you got a tough day today, 45 to 50 mothers and fathers are going home today hearing four words no mom and dad ever, ever wants to hear. Your child has cancer. It's brutal. Brutal. So we're trying to raise a lot of dollars thus far. My team and my people work 24-7. We have raised thus far $37 million for kids battling cancer, but it's not nearly enough. If it was, I wouldn't have to speak at a funeral for kids. Kids would be here. We had a number of kids that have been to my gala that have been with us. Their parents have been with us who are no longer with us, and it breaks my heart. So people, please, if you want to donate, you could just go to 
Foundation.com, and all the money goes to the V Foundation. If you buy my latest book, I autograph it for you, and you get an autograph. The Lost Season, it's called. It's all about last year's season that didn't exist. And basically, all, every dollar that I would make from that book is going to the V Foundation for Kids Battling Cancer. So please go to DidFightOut.com. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. And when it's all said and done, guys, I'm going to tell you this, Keyshawn. Get ready, baby. It's, they're going to be down late in the game. There's like 30 seconds left in the game. And here comes Mr. Brady and the Bucks. Brady Evans for 10. Brady, yes, the Gronkowski for 15. Brady, the good one. Touchdown. The Bucks win the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. 38-34. Goodbye, Mr. Holmes. Goodbye, Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, the champs, Super Bowls, just like they did with Keyshawn in 2002 on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> and if you're a Bucks fan, what more needs to be said than that scenario that Dick just presented would be awesome with a capital A. Thank you, Dick. Hey, nice thanks day. a lot, guys. All right, Dickie V. He raises the energy in every room. He's he raises the, the energy in every room. Keyshawn. There's nobody better. The fact that he can recall a game from 20 years ago like that and yep. remember sets and plays is beyond me. No doubt. 81 years of age. Great stuff. And again, DickVitale.com. All proceeds to the V Foundation. Maybe that's the best part of the whole thing. Great stuff. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save in as little as three minutes at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. A reminder, Super Week on ESPN Radio brought to you by AutoZone. On the way, before I let you go, we've been reminiscing all week long. Big anniversary for Key, right? Super Bowl 37. There's another anniversary that's 20 years old regarding Super Bowl week that almost nobody is talking about. And we will. Hey, it's Greeny counting it down to the Super Bowl. And on Thursday, we will have maybe the greatest Super Bowl legend of them all. Joe Montana joins me live as we're working our way towards the big game. It's Greeny starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. This is Super Week 2021 with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Okay, so I'm fully aware that sometimes if you're a 
regular listener of the show, and I appreciate everybody that is. If you're a first-time listener, hope you like what you hear. That in this particular segment, the last one of the show, I'm a little bit nerdy about certain things about sports that aren't uh, maybe in the mainstream. So I wanted to just bring this up today, and I hope you'll belabor me here, because I think for many of our listeners, especially some of our newer listeners and people that really connect with Key and Jay, I think you will appreciate this. These are the men, all men, of course, that have called the Super Bowl on television. These are their names. Ray Scott, old legend at CBS. He just passed away. Jack Whitaker, mostly known for golf, but he was a legendary broadcaster. Kurt Gowdy, absolute legend. Jack Buck. When I started watching football, it was Pat Summerall. That was number one. The late, great Dick Enberg. Frank Gifford actually called the Super Bowl in addition to being an analyst. And then since Super Bowl 39, since Super Bowl 39, the only people that have called the Super Bowl, remember, 55 is coming Sunday. Since Super Bowl 39, Al Michaels, Joe Buck, and my personal favorite, Jim Nance. But there is one guy I left off this list that is called two Super Bowls, and this is a very important anniversary. Greg Gumbel is the only black, only minority person to ever call the biggest sporting event in America. He called Super Bowl 35. 20 years ago, he's on television now if you're watching on ESPN with a very young-looking Phil Simms for the NFL on CBS. Why do I bring it up? Not only is it the 20th anniversary of Super Bowl 35, that was the Ravens over the Giants, by the way. Sorry, Jay. That was the Ravens over the Giants. But I bring it up because that game was in Tampa, Florida. And here we are, 20 years later, back for Super Bowl 55. He also called, Greg, Super Bowl 38, Panthers-Pats. Since then, it's been tremendously talented Joe Buck, Jim Nance, and Al Michaels. But as we continue to diversify our ranks with somebody like Lewis Riddick in the booth, Booger McFarlane prior to that, you kind of think about it. You guys have told me before, the league is 70% black. The league is overwhelmingly black. Where are the black coaches? So I'm a guy that didn't play. So I'm the guy that wanted to grow up doing this for a living. So I'm keeping a closer eye on it. Greg Gumbel is now in his 70s. He is still calling games for CBS He's not on the number one crew anymore, but you'll see him during March Madness. He's still a number one broadcaster, first rate in the minds of many. He hosted the NFL today. He's also hosted the Super Bowl. For those of you old enough to remember Irv Cross, there have been so many great African-Americans that have done this. I mean, and I say this, I say this lightly because this is a huge name, but one that obviously has some derision. O.J. Simpson, before all of it happened, was a legendary broadcaster and well-known to many Americans. So I just wanted to point out, it's the 20th anniversary. We're going back to Tampa. Greg Gumbel, who, by the way, I mean, I, I, you have to be like, you have to be working at ESPN for like 40 years to remember Greg actually worked at ESPN when it was a that. fledgling company. If you go back into the halls when we're back in Bristol, we have these old great photos of people all over the years that have worked at ESPN, like Boomer with a full head of hair, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. You'll see a photo of Greg Gumbel. He was there. So I just wanted to pass on congratulations to him. And by the way, the little quirk, how do you like it if you're Greg Gumbel? And I'm just joking about this. I called the Super Bowl. I called the Super Bowl and I'm the second known, I'm the second best well-known broadcaster in my own family. Brian Gumbel, his brother, obviously, has done some amazing things in sports and news, and he's on Real Sports now 25 years later. But just congratulations to Greg Gumbel. We haven't really seen much of it since. Those three gentlemen are unbelievable in the jobs that they do, Key. But just a shout-out, because we're back in Tampa, 20 years. Greg Gumbel, just a mention. Well, that, that's sweet. I mean, it's, it, it's sweet because you dug it up. I would have never, never known that, Zubin, if you hadn't brought it up. So, 
kudos to you as well. And it's just not a whole lot of play-by-play African-Americans that's out there in that field. Right. You got Gus, you got some other guys, but you don't see it as well. Uh, Jay, real quick, I just want to mention we're presented by Progressive Insurance. You'll get the last word of the NBA on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. LeBron and the Lakers host My Nuggets. Presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 930 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Take us home. Jokic is the MVP candidate, Zubin. He, he's a guy that people need to know more about. But I really enjoy story time with Uncle Zubin. I learned something. Seriously. <laughs> story time it, with It's Uncle true. Zubin. I learned something Man, every single day. go wash your damn dishes. Stop it. My dishes are clean. Enough. Nasty. Makes no sense. Greeny's making enough money where he'll have, just have the au pair do it. <laughs> Joe Montana <laughs> with Greeny. In 15 minutes, we'll get Troy Vincent and Ron Rivera tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.